Praise the Lord. Am I on? Bo, come on up. Just come up and stand beside me, Bo. Lois, would it embarrass you if we prayed for you? you? Yeah, you can just stay right there, but can we pray for you? Aren't you? Can we pray for you? Is that okay? There's no, we won't have the camera on you, okay? Oh, she is? Okay, good. So somebody, some, say that, I'm sorry. Okay, so someone that loves the Lord, go put your hand on Lois. We're going to pray for her. Pray for God's grace. Jeff, can you get me a water? Unless you're going to pray. <laughs> Randy, can you get me a water? Can you get me a water in the back? All right. Father, we pray for Sister Lois. We love her so much. We're so grateful to have her in our house, Lord, to be here with us. And I know she's um, more traveling. And we just pray for traveling grace and mercy. I pray, Lord, that your grace and your mercy and your goodness, Lord, your word says that though we walk in the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil, Lord, that you're with us, Lord. I just pray this, this entire journey, Lord, that just the grace of God just continues to pour out on Sister Lois. And Lord, in that church down there, I know it's awesome. I thank you for refreshing her and uh, giving her just <laughs> tremendous uh, grace and speak to her, Lord. Uh, double encouragement, Lord. Double anointing, double blessing, Lord. <laughs> Just thank you for establishing her in all your ways. We, she takes our heart with her, Lord, her family and her church family. Lois, you take our heart with you. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. What did I say? What did I say? What did I say? Uh, as long as it's not Michigan, we're fine. Hayden. I want to pray for you. Is that embarrassing? Stand up. I want to pray for you. You walked in. I saw you. And I just, this came across my heart. And just agree with me, folks. Hayden, the Lord spoke in my heart and he said, I want to bless you so bad. <laughs> you don't know how much I want to bless you. And the Lord is saying, let me bless you. Let me bless you. Come into a deeper fellowship with me. Come into a greater knowledge of me. Come into a greater understanding of me. Because when I look from the <laughs> heaven's gates, I look at you and I want to bless you so much. In your down sittings, your uprising, in your todays and in your tomorrows. Let me bless you. Will you let me Bless you, says the Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Heard it, saw it when you came in. I want to bless that young man, amen. Give me a second, would you? I want to pray for every one of you, I really do. Go ahead. Stand in the gap for us 
And I'm so thankful for the people who do pray for all of you and pray for me and pray for my family because sometimes we need that person or people to stand in the gap for us because we're so weak. And I'm so thankful for that. The Lord put me in a, a covenant of prayer with you. He's had, that's exactly my words. He said, covenant with her. You know what I'm praying about. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the grace to get mercy. Amen. Yeah, I need to read last week's paper if you didn't read it. Let me look around here. Scott, I, my heart, I just, you know, I could pray for you anytime, Scott. My heart goes towards you. Lord, bless Brother Scott. Bless him, Lord. Fill him up with the Holy Spirit. Answer all his questions, Lord. Bless him. Father, I pray. Bo's going to give you announcements. Lord, I pray for the congregation. Lord, minister as you want to today. Thank you for these, these people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. We had a great time of worshiping the Lord and then praying for people. Now I get <laughs> I come up here and try to change the order. I feel so weird, man. God is so good. I was so excited to to sing and worship God today. It's just I don't know, man. Sometimes it's just exciting to go into the house of God, right? Sometimes to be honest, sometimes I come in here because that's what you do on Sunday, right? You go to church. And some days I come in here and I'm ready to be like, Lord, I'm so thankful. I'm ready to give you praise. And whew, sometimes it's just exciting. And they can't keep track of stuff. Sermon notes. I don't know if we'll get the sermons. <laughs> All right. Connect desk. Anybody new, new here? We have a connect desk back there. We'd love for you to fill out a card, send you a letter, connect with you, get to know people. Jeff and Evie, I always want to say Hulk. <laughs> no, I always want to say Hulk. I know. I, some reason I always want to call him. I always want to call him the Hulk. That's why. But uh, life group Wednesday, this Wednesday, seven o'clock. And uh, if you live out here in the boonies, uh, Brad Kittle's got a place. So if you're interested in life group, uh, really good, great place to grow. Contact either one of these. Utica Christmas Walk, December seventh, six o'clock. How many of you live where you would say in the Utica area? That's not me. <laughs> Utica. Look, this is, this is what's really exciting about doing something like this. You know that most of Jesus' ministry of miracles and stuff happened on the streets and not here in a church, right? And maybe the Christmas walk will just be nice. Maybe it'll be bad weather. Who knows? But the thing is, if you go with an abandoned heart and walk on the streets with the Lord, Goodness, you never know what could happen this Christmas season. And that's December 7th. You should, you should be there. Women's Christmas party. I am uninvited December 10th, 10 a.m. 10 10.30. If you're, well, if you're my mom, you had to tell her 10 o'clock, so she'd be there at 10.30. Is that why we... I'm, um, men's breakfast. I hear, I hear you guys share... A little bit, men's breakfast, Saturday, 8 o'clock right here. That's early, but I'll be here. I plan on being here. And then uh, it's just a great time to fellowship. I know a lot of us have already been talking about wanting to hear stories that Charlie's got from his trip. 
And so I'm looking forward to that, probably more than the food, Charlie. <laughs> Christmas Eve service here at 4 o'clock. I don't think we're playing on a long service. I don't, but 4 o'clock here, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service. Decorating the church for Christmas, please come at 9.30, December 3rd, Saturday, December 3rd. So that's right after the men's breakfast. And uh, come decorate. So, all right, I think that's it. We're going to take the offering. Pray for the offering. Uh, Father, Lord, I just, uh, <laughs> Lord, I, I'm so glad to be here today, Lord. You are so worthy, Lord. Just, uh, I pray you, you let us honor you with what we can give to you to help the ministry, Lord. And I just pray you bless it. And uh, just pray a blessing over this church and the people here in Jesus' name. Got kids want to go to Sunday school this morning? Boom, boom. Here we got a couple. Dana, Dana's downstairs, right? Come on up, guys. All right, you get private tutoring today. Bless them, Lord, downstairs in Jesus' name. Amen. Good boys. Charlie's back. Charlie's back. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> hey, Matt's better. That's better. Charlie, why don't you tell us a little bit about Israel? Bless us here. Talk to us a little bit. Uh, good morning. I don't know why we make up excuses for not being in God's house. God is so awesome. And the work that he's done. Even beginning uh, when I was flying out of here, I took a commuter from Columbus to uh, JFK in New York. <clears throat> I had the last seat in the, in the plane, in the back. And I happened to have my, my Navy cap on. And the stewardess come back and she said, you want to set up front? And I was the first one off the plane in New York City. <laughs> I met some amazing people. I could stay here all day and tell you, both Arab and uh, Jewish people, and the things that's gone on there, the, 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 I just walked and walked and walked. 
I, I talked to a, a jeweler over there named Levi. <laughs> and he took me under his wing. And one thing led to another. The next day, I had busted my bottom denture. And he and I was, was talking the day before for a couple of hours. A couple of hours. Anyway, <laughs> I went to him the next day, and we was going to do something. And I said, I can't do it because my, my, I broke my dentures last night. He said, I know a dentist across the street. And he said, I'm going to send you over to him. So I went over to the guy. And he, the, the amazing thing is, the dentist that he sent me to was a Christian. <laughs> the man who runs that office became a really close friend in that an amazing amount of time. His name was Itamar. This Christian dentist said, well, I don't, I don't work on dentures, he says, but I know a place that does. And he told the office manager to walk me up to that place about a mile over on Jaffa Road. So we're walking along and we're talking, and he spoke uh, broken English. Itamar and I, we bonded. It was a God thing. It was like Jonathan and David. So they, they, they repaired my, my dentures. He walked me back to, uh, to my hotel. And uh, <laughs> every day, that man would come and see how I'm doing. I ended up in the hospital. I was in the hospital for five days. And he, came, he, he cut out his work and worked half a day to come and see me and get me what he thought I needed. Now listen to this, Brad. <laughs> this man said, Charlie, he said, move over here. He said, you can move in with me and my family, and I'll take care of you. I almost said yes. <laughs> and then I got to thinking about <laughs> being here. I said I could only do that if God told me to. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll trade places with you. <laughs> you move over here, and I'll go over there. And I met some awesome Arab people and Arab nurses. And we had some young people, about 15, 16, 17, that would come into the hospital and play songs and sing. And I got a, I, I haven't got my phone with me. It's probably a good thing. <laughs> but hopefully I can share some of that uh, 
some of the pictures that I had. I went to the Mount of Olives, and uh, the guy that I hired showed me where Samuel died. And I walked around the uh, Western Wall. I'm sure you all pretty parents know about that. And there's a separation in that area. There's a, a barrier between where the women can pray and where the men can pray. On the other side is the Arab uh, section. And I tried to go in there. I said, no, because you would desecrate the place, and then they'd have to kill you. But that's just some, some of the things. It's, it's astounding, just astounding what God did in me. Because I still have a lot to learn. I, I want to thank you all for your prayer. And for your support. You're an awesome bunch of people. Pardon? Oh, a homeless guy. I was walking back from the temple, from the temple area, and that's a long walk, especially for somebody as old as I am. I had to stop every so often. I lived in Honduras for 12 years on a mountain. Over there in Israel, <laughs> I was walking home, and this man was, was over, a homeless man was over in the bushes where he slept. And I seen him, and I walked across the road, <laughs> and I started talking to him. I said, you know something? God has your name written on, your, on his hand. And I said, you know what? He loves you just where you are right now. He loves every one of us just the way we are right now. You know that? No matter what your dilemma you're going through or problems that you have, he loves you. And he says, I said, he said, uh, uh, where are you from? I said, I'm from America. I asked him where he was from. He said, Honduras. I said, what are you doing here? He said, I'm looking for the Messiah. I said, you just found him in me. <laughs> That's astounding. Isn't it amazing how God sets up situations and how things going on in your life affects years later other people? To think that I was in Honduras for 12 years. I've been here for what, four? About four or five years, maybe, maybe five. And all our circumstances in my life, took me to see that man and meet that man over there in Israel two weeks ago to tell him that God loves him. And, and, and you should have seen that man. His mouth dropped. Really, I'm serious. It was just astounding. Anyway, if you want to hear more, come to the men's breakfast. Yes.
Linda had a great testimony. How many know about Linda's situation, the guy she was caring for? How long did you care for him or involved in with him, worked for him? Well, and so? I worked for him for 22 years. I was saved in 2005, so I've been praying for him for 17 years. Say that again. You've been praying for him for how long? I was saved in 2005, and I've been praying for him for 17 years for salvation, and he has pushed me away and the Lord away. Harder and harder and harder. Well, in his end of life, he ended up coming home back to the farm. I had been praying while he had spent three months at Riverside Hospital and two months at a care facility that the Lord would place him in the care of someone that would bring Jesus to him. Then he brought him home. (laughs) The man never liked me. And I thought, God, you have a sense of humor. I don't know how this is going to work. So I've been caring for him full-time for two months, almost a full two months. And um, on Thanksgiving, he had not uttered a noise in over 10 hours in his situation of passing. And I talked to him because I knew he could hear about the Lord and salvation. I had been working on him the entire time he was home and um, playing scripture for him. But I will tell you, there is nothing like the prodding of the Holy Spirit to let you know when to move, when to say the right thing. And Thanksgiving Eve night, I prayed over him, and I told him, I said, look, the Lord loves you. No matter what you've done, you can have forgiveness of sins. That's what he died on the cross for. And I said, You don't have to be perfect. I said, you can just let it go. I said, all you have to do is accept Jesus. Well, he hadn't uttered noise, like I said, in over 10 hours. And he laid there and went, uh, 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 yeah. (laughs) Which to me in those syllables were, I accept Jesus. In a couple of hours, I was keeping an eye on him. I was the only one there with him. And I went over to him, and I laid my hands on him. And I said, Lord, I said, if this man is actually saved, I said, I pray that you would send your angels down now to take him up out of his suffering. While I was praying that, he had taken one breath, a second breath, and never exhaled that second breath and was gone. Mm. There was no fluttering of heart. There was no noises, nothing. He was gone completely in peace. And praise the Lord, I had never felt at peace the whole time I knew in my heart there was no anxiety that he was truly saved and the Lord let me know by sending his angels to take him up. Amen. (laughs) That man was very blessed to have you in his life. He found out, didn't he? 
Very blessed to have you in his life. You didn't need me to talk to him. Yeah, that's that's amazing. It really is. You know, when Charlie was talking about his divine appointments and things, folks, God has divine appointments for all of us all the time. We're all built different, so it's going to look different for all of us, but He does. We just have to ask the Lord to fill us with the Holy Spirit and give us a nudge. Amen? I, I told you guys, was it two weeks ago, maybe three, I don't remember, but there was a guy at the gym and uh, went over and started talking to him. And the night before, I remember the Lord spoke to me and said, you have power over cancer. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? That's pretty bold. I, I had mentioned it in church. Uh, you know, the Lord told me we had power over cancer. And I'm, that's a pretty bold statement. And he had told that to me like the night before. And the next morning I was in there and I started talking to that guy. He really wasn't real receptive of me. You know, I tried to talk to him before. But uh, finally, started talking to him about health and things and said his wife had cancer. And I said, I gave him my card and said, I'll pray for her. I said, you just get a hold of me and I'll come pray for her. I want to lay my hands on her. And he said, well, and he, he gave me kind of a run around. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll pray for her. Whether I go see her or not, I'll pray for her anyway. But it'd be better if I'd go lay hands on her. And so I saw him this past week. And uh, we talked about a few things. And I said, how's your wife? I wish Pam was here. She's my witness. She's very credible. <laughs> he said, I said, she's doing good. I said, well, what about the cancer? He goes, oh, true story. She went to the doctor. She doesn't have cancer. Couldn't find any cancer in her. That's a true story, folks. <clears throat> now, I, don't, I won't. That's the Lord. And I know that he told me that for, he's never said, I mean, the Bible says we have power over all the enemy, but he never just spoke that in my heart. I know it was for that gentleman. And what was really cool, this guy had never let me pray for him, and he was having trouble in his, somewhere in his allergies and things like that, breathing. And so he let, then I got to lay hands on him, and I got to pray for him. Whenever I put my hand on him right there and prayed for him. And he had never really been open to me, but we had a very good conversation, was very open. The Lord gives us opportunities all the time. And it's not a matter of you being Superman. I'm the most, when I talk to people most of the time, I tell you a story, you could be right there in the gym with me and you wouldn't even see it. I just walk over and start talking to somebody. Ask if I you know, could pray for them. I'm not Superman. Sometimes I'm, and I just quietly grab their hand or put my hand on their shoulder, pray for them. Sometimes it's, it's different. But if we pray and ask God and we're open to the Lord, He'll give us all kind of a point. We're all geared a little different. You're not me, and I understand that. You're not Charlie. But He wants you. He got neighbors. You make some of you. How many of you ever ever made a meal for a neighbor or did something good for a neighbor? You you have many of you. He'll use you in all type of ways, and He'll put it. You just got to open up because it really is through Jesus. He's the one that gives you the power and the strength to serve and do things. You just Step out there. God will do amazing things. I had uh, just something. I'm not going to share the testimony. Maybe I will. And I had something cool happen in the morning. The, my best part of my day was in the morning. I went running. Well, I ran right down from Dayton Road on the back path, and I ran right down behind Salvation Army. 
a bunch of home, the home, I saw two homeless people down there, and there was a bunch around. I thought about your ministry about scarves and hats, and, and uh, there's homeless people just right under the bridge there. You know we got homeless people like that around. Some of it's self-rot, some of it, a lot of it's, you know, the drugs and just mental issues sometimes, mental instability. But uh, there's just so many opportunities to talk to people. And I uh, went into the, the Duke and the Lord, and, and I mean, this is how God works. When you get to learn the Lord's voice, sometimes, I don't want to call it a nuisance, <laughs> I don't want to say, but you get, you get in a, uh, he'll talk to you. And I knew I was going down to that Duke and Duchess, and he was going to have me talk to somebody. I'd never run there before, and, and so I got done running to Randall. I got lost. Jeff, you need to tell me where I was. I got to talk to you. I don't know where I was. I ran behind the jail. I ran up in a neighborhood, and I got lost. It was Don Edwards' baseball diamond, and there was no way out of there. There was no way out of there. I ran all around in circles like, Lord, where am I at? I finally just went back the way I came is what I did and got out through the dead end in the back. You have to tell me how to get out of there because I was like, I'm, I'm lost, Lord. Huh? The, yeah, I, well, I went on the dead end. I, no, I went on the dead end to the bike trail behind the jail. Out Anyway. You give me directions because I, I, I was as lost as a dog in high weeds. Anyway, I got back to the uh, Duke and Dutch. I, was just, I, I, I kind of felt the Lord pull me to go in, maybe, and I didn't want to. And sure enough, Pam sent me a text. Hey, would you go in and get me some cough drops? I'm like, no. <laughs> and my, my husbandly uh, commitment, I didn't want to, I'll be honest. I really didn't. I'd just run quite a few miles. And I said, sure, babe, I'll do it. I'd be happy. So I went in. And sure enough, man, I go in, and there's a guy standing, and he just flashed to me. Like, I ignored it, walked over, looking at chocolate milk, and I lost my, went in and got my uh, Pam's cough drops, and I bought me some ding-dongs or king-dongs because I deserved them. <laughs> and I looked over, and there he was just standing. So I walked over, and uh, he, he wound up, he was waiting for his daughter. She was using the bathroom, and I got talking to him. And the Lord had me pray for him. He's from Tennessee. He was coming from up north. He was driving through, and he was going back to Tennessee. And uh, I prayed for him on his travels. And then he opened up to me. He told me he was struggling on his job. And he said he was under a lot of stress. And I got to pray for him about his job and about the stress. And I got done praying. He had this most beautiful daughter came out. And... Um, wasn't anything spectacular. Heaven didn't open. The, the Red Sea didn't open. But um, I know that the Lord wanted me to go in and talk to that guy. And he has appointments for us everywhere all the time. And he'll use you and your personality and where you're at. In high school, there's kids hurting. I know there are kids hurting all the time. Kids that need someone to encourage them, say, say something to them to encourage them or steer them away from a bad path. So, folks, just get full of Jesus Kelsey and Talon, that song today uh, about, Lord, fill me up and lead me to someone that's hurting. Someone say amen. amen. And we'll come in here and we'll celebrate. I'll let you all testify. I'll let you all come up here and tell me your testimonies and what God's doing in your life because he wants to use us. And you're right, Bo. He wants to do a lot of things out there on the street. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, let's get rolling. I, I, I'm aware of my time. I have an abbreviated message anyway this morning. I got so much on my heart to preach. I want to do a, 
series, I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe in the first of the year sometime, but I want to do a, a series on uh, prayer and healing and things like that. I really want to root it in the scriptures. And the reason I like prayer and healing and those things, folks, listen, it's a wonderful thing when you can take the invisible kingdom of God, the, the spiritual realities of Jesus, and bring them into the natural realm. There is nothing more powerful than taking the invisible things of Jesus. Jesus is not a fantasy, and he is not a fiction, and his words are not yes and, you know, yes and no, and no and yes. His words are yes and amen. Someone say amen. We are going to stand before him one day, and we're going to answer. I am very aware that I'm going to. Sometimes it makes, I say, I got I to gotta jerk a few knots out of my tail, Lord, because I know, I know too much. I'm going to stand before you. I need to, you've been talking to me about focus, focus. But the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is real. Jesus is real. God is a prayer answering God. And where you got the God in the Bible that doesn't answer prayer when a man understands his right relationship to God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, through the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ, and how we have been made the righteousness of God in Him, and how He's come and He sent His Holy Spirit to fill us up and to give us help and grace and mercy to walk by faith in the kingdom where we would ever get that God is not willing to flow in our life, answer prayers, and move. I don't know where we got that God, but it is a fictional God. It is not the God of the Bible. I mean, everything in my, the Lord doesn't flow through me perfectly. I've said it many times. I don't have everything figured out, but I know this, Jesus is Lord and he's real. And if you snuggle up to him and you get to know him, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be glad you did because he's real. He will answer prayer. He will send you out. You, I'd learned something. How many Buckeye fans are in here? Thank you, Scott. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> I was worried because I know you're a Tennessee Titan fan, so I was worried. You gotta... I've learned this, and the Lord talked to me about it in the morning as I was praying. And then my, You guys pray in the morning, right? Or sometime during the day, spend time with the Lord. Man, he talks to me. I wrote stuff down. He was talking to me. And in an indirect way, he was talking about the Buckeyes. And what he said to me was so true and it really applied to the Buckeyes. Nothing in this world ever satisfies. How many were a little frustrated yesterday? I am not Charlie. Of course not Charlie. Don't even say anything. Don't even say anything. Look, one team's going to win the national championship. The odds of being your team are, are very dismal. Most times it's Alabama. Sometimes it's somebody else. The odds of being disappointed... I've just noticed anything in this world that you set your heart on, that you put your total self into, it's some nine times out of ten, it's just going to wind up disappointing you, unless you take a different attitude toward it. I tried to be nice and philosophical. I was telling Talon, I put on uh, YouTube, I said, well, Buckeye's defensive line was amazing. I said, and, and they're rushing. They ran the ball really well the first half. They really looked good. And, man, they had the most amazing pass protection. I put it on a comment. On you, they had the most amazing pass protection the whole game. And some guy commented back, Well, bleep you. What does it matter? They got beat. Here, I'm trying to be positive about it. I'm mean, like, I cursed at me. I wanted to kind of troll him a little bit, but 
I did, but the Lord got a hold of me and I didn't do anything. <laughs> then I just responded back to him. I said, I was disappointed too. I just told I was disappointed too. And I found that out. We build all these constructs in our life when you're a kid. You know, Jesus said, hate your mom and dad. You ever remember that? Hating your mother and father and hate your own life. Because we build all these constructs in life that we think are going to make us happy. If I can just run the Boston Marathon and, and, and win the Boston Marathon, and I, oh, then, then I'll be somebody because now I'm going to the Boston Marathon. You know? No, the Boston Marathon won't make you happy unless the Lord tells you to run the Boston Marathon or unless his hand is on you and he wants you to run it, you'll wind up going to Boston and it won't be any fun at all. They'll impound your car, you'll fight with your wife and your leg will hurt the whole time you're running. <laughs> Amen? Unless the Lord tells you to do it. What I'm learning about life, so many you, you think, you know, if I can just meet the right girl, the most just beautiful woman, if I can just have a beautiful woman and I can make a lot of money and I can be a football star. Well, ask Tom Brady and what's her, what's her name, Gazelle. How's that working out? He just got scammed for a bunch of money on that FTX, uh, Sam Bakeman Friedman. He lost money in that and his wife has left him. You see what I'm saying? Like he's not a beautiful woman, not happy. Uh, I don't want to talk bad about people, but I always thought Tiger Woods, I like Tiger, I'm not putting him down, but I always thought he had the most beautiful wife. You ever see her? Just beautiful, almost as pretty as Pam. Just that close, right? And yet, and yet he wasn't happy with her. Had to go cheat with this one and cheat with that one and cheat with that because nothing in this world will ever satisfy you. Doesn't that prove it to you? Champion golf player, the most, one of the most famous men in the world, gets to play every week, gets to go knock a ball around out in the sunshine. Everybody likes him, billions of dollars, setting records, beautiful wife, and he's not happy with it because it doesn't satisfy. And kids, if you learn that now, life is very satisfying when you find your purpose for being here. If, and if it's golfing, then golf. If it's shooting bows and arrows, shoot bows and arrows. But everything you do, the Word says, do it all for the glory of God. Amen. And man, when you're doing it, if I'm running and God's in it, me and the Lord, we talk. He gives me revelation, understanding. You know, who knows what He'll do in my life if I'm obeying Him. But if He's not in it, I want out. Someone say amen. amen. Bible says if we eat and drink, whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. Because then it doesn't matter how the chips fall, live or die. Amen. Live or die. I don't care. Live or die. I'm with Jesus. People like me. People cuss at me on Facebook or YouTube. I don't care. If I've got Jesus, I've got everything. And that's the truth. God's kind of toughed me up being a pastor. You've got to kind of toughen up a little bit. And I'm getting to the point I'm learning. I love everybody, but I'm learning the one person that I really, really need, the one person that's my everything these songs, I love them, Talon and Kelsey, because he is my everything. I am depending on him. I don't have a plan B anymore. I'm like, Lord, it's you, and he's the source. The Bible says he's our joy, he's our peace, he's our strength, he's our healing, he's our help. He's every Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So I'm just grabbing onto Jesus, and what I find out, when we grab onto Jesus, we really learn how to live an abundant life. 
Because love flows out of us, and whatever you reap, you're going to sow. So you start, by the grace of God, sow love, forgiveness, and grace, and it starts coming back to you. You get thrown in with a bunch of lions, and God stops the mouth of the lions. You get thrown in the fire, and Jesus joins you in the fire. I think we should get really committed to Jesus. I think we should get fanatically and radically committed to Jesus. I think we should sell out to Jesus. He, the, the, and I, I, I can't get there today, but in Matthew 7, you know, the, the word says that if you build your house on my sayings, if you build your house on the rock of Jesus, he said the winds are going to come in life and the storms are going to come in life, but you are going to be built on a rock. You're going to have real security. You're not going to have to be afraid. You're not going to have to worry. You're going to know no matter what's going on in your life, this one thing I know, God is with me. And if I know, if I know the Lord, me and the Lord are a majority. King David found this out. When he was walking with the Lord, he was amazing. You couldn't stop him. He was a giant killer. He was a kingdom breaker and shaker, but when he messed up and walked away from God, it all fell apart. Someone say amen. amen. I was thinking this morning, and I, I already kind of changed my message because I'm just thinking about the things that the powers and the strongholds and the gods of this age and how they try to come in and change our thinking about things and the philosophies of this world and everything that the world is throwing at us so we base our life on a fantasy and that's what the lord was talking to me about he says brad you know you can build your life and think that you're building on this this and this and it's all chasing the wind you can build your life on money and financial security and you know build your life on uh, making money and saving money and you can lose it in a day or you could just be miserable anybody ever see the scrooge come on you think the Scrooge was happy? You know when the Scrooge got happy? When he started giving it away. He started giving, now see, wasn't even, Dickens wasn't even necessarily a Christian. He was probably a cultural Christian. But he knew the Scrooge got happy when he started giving it away. You keep it to yourself, you lock it up, you lock up your love, you allow fear to keep you bound up, you allow worry to keep you bound up, you allow suspicion and all these gods of this age to bind up your heart, he'll bind you up tight as a drum. And you'll never experience the overflowing love and power of God in your life. And you'll find out when you have Jesus, you don't need anything else. He's going to supply it for you and to you. Uh, flip over to Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to make a few points, and uh, I'll close it up. I could really start in verse 6. I'll read verse 8. Beware, lest any man spoil you or ruin you through philosophy and empty deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. Beware. I'm 63, everything I've done is a dead end. Jeff, I'm going to get into the book of Ecclesiastes this week. I know I am, because Solomon had it all, didn't he? Just like Bogey and Bacall, right? He had it all, and he wrote a book that said, Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. That's without Christ. It's all vanity 
read the conclusion of the book. It's all vanity, it's all chasing the wind, it's all empty, it doesn't satisfy. I know it's true. Don't let anybody deceive you or fool you. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in a body. And you, I could just say your name, point at you, Marla, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and powers. Already, right now, because you're baptized into Jesus, because you're in Jesus, you right now are already complete in Him without moving a muscle. Because God puts you in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? You live your life in that faith and in that knowledge that you're in Christ, that you root your life and ground your life and base your life in that. You are basing your life on the rock. You are basing your life on reality. We can actually get in this book and pray and touch heaven and heaven can touch us. When Jesus was talking to, was it Nathaniel, when he said that, hey, or was it Philip? He said that, um, he said, you're the Messiah. He said, hey, you are going to see heaven open and angels ascending and descending back and forth to heaven. He said, you think this is something? You're going to see angels going to heaven and back and forth going up to heaven. You can talk to the Spirit. He'll talk to you. He, the Lord talks to me all the time. He loves to talk. Kids are going off to college, and I've seen this happening to them. You know, I, we went to a conference on critical race theory. Critical race theory is really based on the current philosophies in the world of deconstruction. You ever heard that terminology? I, I could go really deep into this. I, I, I can't, but I could. Deconstruction Basically, it was a French philosophy, Jacques Derrida came up with it and some others. But deconstruction is basically, you can't know truth. And you can't know the meaning of anything because everything is subjective. If I write a book in the 1800s and you read it, you have no idea what I mean by the words. You just construct those words and you find the meaning out of it, whatever you want. You build your own meaning because you can't get into the author's mind you can't get into his head. You can't really know. Just like Pilate, Jeff, he said, what is truth? Well, deconstruction is what is truth. And so everything in their mind, they said, it's all about power. If you're a white man, you're making all the rules, right? You got the power. You can do the interpretation. Winston Churchill said that um, uh, history shall treat me kindly, for I shall write the history, right? So there's this philosophy, and, and, and so they say that, so it's really not about truth anymore. Nothing is really about truth. It's about framework and narrative. So if you, they have gender studies, they have female studies in colleges, feminist studies, and every book they read, they read it through the lens of a particular narrative, whether it's feminism or gender studies, and they take every book and they deconstruct it based on that philosophy or idea. Did you guys know that? That's how it works in colleges now. Every English department is riddled with deconstructionism and, and, and you know, it's, just, it's past postmodernism. But that's where they get this feminism or this uh, um, 
just this whole thing that we hear, and that's why on the news now, truth does not matter. It's a narrative. And we see it all around us. If the narrative doesn't fit, or the news doesn't fit your narrative, you bury it and ignore it. If it remotely fits your narrative, you use it to try to, it's, it's a power play. And that's what Derrida said, that uh, literature and history and philosophy is all just a power play. And we're all trying to, and right now these people are in power, and we're going to go, and you go to college, you'll get it, English, psychology, history. And so that's why the news and, and, and the information we see now, it's all based on narrative, and if something doesn't fit the narrative, it doesn't make the news. And folks, that is right and left. Someone say amen. amen. That's why in the name of love, and I'm going to get back to the point I'm trying to make, that's why in the name of love and inclusion, they can erase 50% of the population. They can say, we're being loving, and we're being inclusive, but 50% of the population, we don't want to hear from you. We're going to ban you. Jordan Peterson, you're not allowed on YouTube or Twitter. Eric Metaxas, you're not, we don't want to hear your perspective. That Lilla, pro-life Lilla, you're off Twitter, you're off Facebook, you're off YouTube because you believe you're pro-life, you're off. Because it is a narrative, your narrative doesn't fit what we believe. So 50% of you guys, we love you, we love everybody, we're very nice and we're very inclusive, but you don't get a voice because we disagree. In other words, it's a lie. It's just a big fluffy lie. And people don't want to be unloving. They want to be inclusive, and yet the whole thing is all about a perspective that they had, and you're X'd out and not included. Well, Jesus said that you wouldn't be included, didn't he? He said, when you're not included, shout for joy. Someone say amen. amen. When they persecute you, when they reject you, when they don't receive you, he said, shout for joy. He said, you're being treated just like your master. And folks, it's not just, it's right and left. Anybody that gets power, that's exactly what happens. We just want to shut everybody else down. And I, I don't want to get too much. My, here's my point. In the world, it's not about truth. It's not about the reality. And even, and I'm not going to go too far, but the COVID shot, it's not about the COVID shot and the statistics. It is about a narrative that we want to push on you. And if the statistics don't look good for us, we're just going to shut that down because we don't want you to hear it, to make up your own mind. And I don't care where you stand on. That's exactly what they do. You don't think those pharmacies make all that money for nothing. If your viewpoint doesn't fit our viewpoint, we are going to shut you down. We're going to cancel you. If you, the critical race there, if you don't agree with us, we're going to call you a name and we're going to shut you down. And it's not based on truth. And I see people on the right sometimes that they're, they're, they're no more loving than the people on the left. In Jesus, in the Word of God, we have the truth. I don't care politics and philosophy and all these things can come and go, but when we have Jesus, now this is the really cool thing. That's what the Lord showed me. See, the problem is if you read a book and you can't talk to the author so you can interpret that book any way you want and deconstruct it, you know what the good news about the gospel is? 
the person that wrote the book lives inside of you. The person that wrote the book, the Holy Ghost, lives inside of you, and the Bible says he can teach you all things. Get, what's that? You can know truth. Jesus is the truth. He's the living word of God. He puts the spirit in you. The spirit says, I will show you the things of Jesus. The guy that wrote the book lives inside of you. And if you fellowship with him and you pray to him and you get in his book and you open your heart and say, Lord, whatever you show me, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to believe. That author is actually walking inside of you. Someone say amen. amen. The guy that wrote the book lives in you. Amen. And I'm telling you, it is really a book of inclusion. It is really a book of love. Because he said, whosoever will may come. In the kingdom of God, there's not Jew or Greek, black or white, red or yellow, pink or green. It really is all races and all places. It's women and men, and in Jesus, we're all forgiven. We're all brought together. We're all unified in him, and we're all going to a common destination. Amen? And it really is a real purity, and it really is a real love. We don't hate people we disagree with. We don't silence people we disagree with. We reach out our hand and say, hey, you need what I need, and that's Jesus. Come on, someone say amen. amen. So if that's true, you got the author of the book inside of you. We got the book, you got the author living inside of you. What are we doing watching eight hours of football on Thanksgiving and spending two seconds in the Word of God? Now, it's okay to watch football. But where are your priorities? We don't have any time for the Word of God. No time to get along with Jesus and, and get into our life and consecrate to Him. we got time for it. God wants to talk to you. God wants to make you a powerhouse in your family and in your day. God wants to exalt you and bless you and show you truth that you can live by. One word from God can change your whole life. One word from God can change your whole life. I'm here in Utica because God told me to come here. I was minding my own business in Newark. God said, you and Pam, get up to Utica. We had no, no promise of a penny. Remember that? We had no promise of a penny. He said, go to Utica. Okay, Lord, if you said it, I made more that year than I made in the 10 years prior. I mean, any one year. That year, because God double blessed me all across the board. That's the truth. I had no guarantee of a salary, nothing. I won't tell you the whole testimony. I had no guarantee of a salary. No one promised us a penny. Larry said, we'll see what we can do. I made more money that year than I ever, ever made in my life, hitherto or since. Isn't that amazing? Because God told me to come up here. Didn't have a penny guaranteed to my name, but the Lord told me to come. Lord told me, you got power over cancer. I stepped out on that. The guy tells me his wife doesn't have cancer. Come on now. Hayden, that's what God wants to talk to you. Anything that we base our life on other than Jesus Christ and his purpose and plans and pursuits for our life, it's not going to satisfy. I'm done. I'm not through, but I'm done. <laughs> Folks, let's be praying for Grace Point. God wants to pour out here. He is a miracle God. He is a speaking God. God talks. We can obey Him. He'll give us mercy and grace to obey. There are times we go through things. The Lord will see us through every situation. 
every trial, every temptation, he'll see us through if we don't let him go. Let's make up our minds that this is our priority. We're not building our lives on a sinking sand. We're not going to stand before God and say, well, what do you got? You say, well, the Buckeyes won a national championship in 1962, and I was their best fan. Okay, good. What else you got? Well, not much. Jesus is worth pursuing. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that your word is truth. Thank you that the spirit of truth is also really the spirit of love. You're truly inclusive, Jesus. You include everybody. You love everybody. You love the sinner. You love the saint. You're extending grace and mercy to everybody. Lord, I pray for us as a body of people, Lord, that we embrace your truth. We embrace the reality of who you are, Lord. We just press in more and more, Lord. And Lord, I know you are pouring out here and you want to pour out more in everyone's life. I can sense how much, Lord, you want to bless everyone in this house, Lord. And I just pray you do it more and more. God, give us a spiritual hunger. Let that song be true in our life, Lord, that you open up our hearts to heaven, to your love, and then send us out to love people, God, and to reach out to people with the good news of the gospel, Lord. Help us to be faithful to what you're calling each of us to do, Lord. No condemnation, Lord. Mercy and grace on your people. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be up front. I'll receive you if you need prayer.